0: This is episode eighteen, Doctrine and Covenants forty five. The promises shall be fulfilled. We're studying at April twenty sixth through May second. I'm recording this a lot later than I normally do. Um I apologize. I have just I don't have any excuses. <laughs> I I don't even know what to what to tell you. I guess I could say my life is super busy, but it's not like it's any more busy than it was earlier. I think I just let I let the busyness kind of take over for a little bit and I just didn't. Anyway, I guess I just embraced life for a little bit and I put the the podcast on hold a little bit. So I wanted to try a little bit different with this one. I know I've done this in the past, but I decided to get some more clips with my kids because I feel like those are, first of all, they're different and they're fun. Those are things you could share with your kids if you want. Um, I'm hoping eventually to work up to getting more and more, so you can get more of a feel of responses of what you can expect with kids. Um, I so my ward has been back doing second hour. Uh, We started last Sunday, and so I I actually didn't end up being a primary teacher. I do activity days and they were going to have us um, do primary as well. And then they ended up not needing us to teach, but I ended up substituting in my five-year-olds primary class. And so that was fun to be in there and to remember what it's like in those little classes. And those kids were so squirrely and wiggly. And um, it was fun to be back in there, but it reminded me and like made it seem so real as I'm doing these lessons, sometimes you imagine everything being so much more um, controlled and everything going so well and the kids having the right answers so much better than they actually do. And um, I mean, of course I was with five-year-olds, so they're very young, but I was thinking that a lot of the people I'm doing this podcast for have very young kids and So I think it would be appropriate to be realistic with it, be realistic with how little kids react and what they talk about when you go through these lessons. So that's part of why I'm pulling in experiences with my kids and, you know, teaching them a little bit. I just wanted to read a little something that was at the beginning of the the lesson in the primary manual. It says, as a teacher, your most important preparation is spiritual. Begin by studying Doctrine and Covenants 45 and praying for the guidance of the Holy Ghost. This outline provides ideas that may be helpful to you. You might also find ideas in this week's outline and Come Follow Me for Individuals and Families or in the Liahona or Friend. I like seeing these little snippets, ideas of things we can do, but just a reminder that you can learn and learn and learn and and have all these fun activities planned but the most important thing is for you to have the spirit with you when you're teaching because the spirit is the ultimate teacher is the master teacher and the spirit knows your class knows what that what they're going to respond to um and you will be a better teacher because of it Um, same thing with being a parent I don't do, I'm not perfect at this, but I try really hard to have the Spirit in my home as much as I possibly can because when the Spirit is present, I'm a better parent. And because the Spirit knows, the the Lord knows my children. He knows what they need. He knows the best way to talk to them, to help them learn from their experiences. And I'm trying so hard to rely on that spirit as a parent because parenting is so hard, so, so hard, and I have a lot to learn, (laughs) but we're going to get into this lesson because I think this, this is so good for kids and adults alike. The first section is titled, Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. This is mainly for older children. Um... And there's a section that correlates in the individuals and families manual. So I wanted to talk about that as well. So um, this comes from Doctrine and Covenants section 45 verses 3 through 5. It says, listen to him who is the advocate with the father who is pleading your cause before him. Saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. So one of the activities that the manual talks about is, you can pick phrases from those verses that stood out to you and write them on pieces of paper and then it says give the kids a minute to study the verses in their scriptures and then give them the pieces of paper like mixed up and they have to try to put them in order it's just a good way for them to get into the scriptures it's a little bit of a game and helps them think about what they were reading so i think it's just a good way to help them read the scriptures um and then it says according to these verses what does the savior say to plead our what does the savior say to plead our cause before heavenly father and i like this because he says behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin which he's referring to himself in whom thou wast well pleased behold the blood of thy son which was shed the blood of him whom thou gavest that thyself might be glorified wherefore father spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. So I like this because he's saying, like, look at me. I'm perfect. I di- I gave myself and spare them. Spare them for me because they believe in me. And isn't that beautiful? I just, this section, I think really hit home with me this week, partly because of what I was studying in my personal Personal study this week, but I've also been feeling inadequate, and feeling the Savior's love for me has um has been helping me. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, all right. So one thing you can do is uh, define advocate. So an advocate is a person. Who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy or in this case person and have you ever you know you talk about advocates like you know lawyers they plead your case they are they try to help help you um, help other people understand where you're coming from right So this is what the, what Jesus Christ is doing on our behalf. What did the savior do that basically qualified him to be that person? Why is he our advocate? And, um, so if you think about this, the things that qualify him to be an advocate is that he is perfect. He lived a perfect life. So he can't, you know, imagine if it was me standing there trying to recommend somebody I am not any better than them and so I am not a good advocate if you think about um like a job referral right who do you go to to get a referral for your job or um like if you were going to a company and you happen to know someone that worked for the company hopefully your friend that works for the company is a good employee right someone that they already like. Or it's someone that's already in right Jesus already has earned eternal life he's already gotten the point he qualified for it he's already in that place right he's he's the one that's going to stand up and recommend us to join them and I love that that comes because of his because he was perfect because he lived that life but also because of the atonement and he's saying i made it possible for this person to be here. I took care of their inadequate parts of them. I they they're here on because of me. Also, he knows us. He knows our hearts and he is able to discern whether we're like what are what we like our desires, right? I think there's something to be said for desiring to be there, and he he knows that about us, and he is merciful. I am grateful that he has mercy because for anyone else to stand up and recommend me, <laughs> I'd kind of be nervous what some other people would say you're like well she's she's a good person, but you know she sometimes yelled at her kids or yeah, you know, she's a pretty good person, but she didn't always do her ministering. She's a pretty good person, but she often complained about her callings, you know? But Christ is merciful and he he knows that I try and I do my best and he knows when I repent and I apply the atonement in my life. Alright, so in the Individuals and Families manual it says, Have you ever felt inadequate or unworthy before God? How does it save your advocate for you or plead your cause? What does it mean to you to know that Christ is your advocate? This is where I was going earlier. Just knowing that Christ is the one that will be there to greet us at the gate and welcome us in. He's also the judge. He's the one who can recommend us and bring us in. And knowing how much he loves us and how much he wants us to be there. It gives me so much hope and so much assurance that I can do it. Because he is going to lend me the strength. He's going to forgive my faults. And he's going to help me get there. And when I do
1: arrive, whether I have
0: cleaned myself 100% or not, I think he's still going to be happy to see me because he loves me. And I hope I'm clean and I hope that I'm here and I hope that I'm in that place. um, worthily. And then I can enter, but knowing that he is the one that's going to be there and that he knows me better than anyone else. And he forgives me better than anyone else. Gives me so much hope and joy knowing that that is a very real possibility that I'll be able to be there. All right. I wanted to talk about, in the May friend, there's so many good things in the friend. I don't talk about it often enough, and I'm sorry, because there's so much good stuff in there. So, I'm going to share one thing. Um, in the May friend, there's an activity called Encouraging Words. And it kind of walks the kids through um, thinking about how Jesus... Things about them and how they love and then or how he loves them and then it has them write in kind of a, like for, uh, a script of self-talk of how they can talk to themselves when they're discouraged when they make mistakes and I loved that idea of working through our mistakes and thinking about how much Jesus loves us as we're doing that and giving ourselves mercy It's a beautiful thing and I think teaching our children to do that while they're young is really important and I love it and I'm totally going to use it because I think my kids need to learn that skill. So hopefully you find that and you can apply that and maybe even use it in your own life. So just some ideas for you. Alright, I have a little clip that I want to share from my little my little people. Elena, who's in this picture?
1: Um, Jesus. Is that Jesus? Mm-hmm. You. Uh, Elena, say Jesus. Oh, I What's know. that? Does he have a sheep?
0: sheep. sheep. Yeah, does sheep. Jesus love you?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Jesus loves you.
1: And he love loves
0: me and
1: everyone.
0: He does love everybody. Uh, me.
1: Love
0: Even me. kids that are naughty. Even kids that are naughty. But I'm not naughty. as much. Does it make him sad when kids are naughty? Yes. Mm-hmm. He still loves all of them the same, but it makes them, him sad when yeah, they're naughty. Yeah, I think
1: he wants everyone to be happy at the same time.
0: He would love it if everybody was happy. How, do we, how can we be happy?
1: Has um, he told us how to be
0: happy? Everyone doesn't. Do mean stuff. Yeah. Are we happy when we're nice? Yeah. let go. Yeah. Does Jesus want you to be nice? Yeah. Uh-huh. Does Jesus want you to um, kiss your mommy? Uh-huh. Yeah. And Jesus wants you to not hit? Uh-huh. Yeah. What else, William? What else um, did Jesus want us to do? Help people? Yeah. Help poor people? Yeah, and we've been learning about battle? that this week, huh? Jesus wants us to help the poor
1: people. Yeah, because they don't have very much money. Yeah. And they're yeah. sad True, huh? sometimes.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh? Yeah. I think someone in the, <laughs> the city universe oh, I'm I'm crying. I There's probably and
0: somebody crying somewhere. It. Yep, yep right now. Is that Jesus? If Jesus was here right now, would he give you a really big hug?
1: Uh,
0: yes. Uh, he would tell you what? What do you think Jesus would tell you if he was here right now? That he loves us. Yeah, I think that was the one thing Jesus would say to us.
1: And it's the bow. Yeah. A bow, and bow. Does he
0: have a sheep? What does the sheep say? It's... Does the sheep say bah, bah. <laughs> do you think the sheep says, I love Jesus? Yeah, do you think this sheep loves Jesus? Yeah, look how happy that sheep is in the picture.
1: Yeah,
0: it's so happy to have Jesus hugging him, huh? It's just 64. Yep, it's picture 64. The next section is The Gospel of Jesus Christ is a light to the world. And this, is again, is another um, section more for the older kids. And it, um, this is verse 9. And even so, I have sent my everlasting covenant into the world to be a light to the world and to be a standard for my people and for the Gentiles to seek it and to be a messenger before my face to prepare the way before me. So you could talk about ways the gospel is a light or a standard or flag. And a messenger. And talk about that with the kids. Like how is the gospel. A light. Or a flag or whatever. Right? Um, You could talk about. That anciently. A standard. Was like a banner. Or a flag that was carried into battle. And it was kind of a rallying point. It was. um, Usually the leaders of the um, of like each division kind of had a standard. And so they knew where their leaders were. They knew where their group was, but also it was a signal to them of what to do, how to, how to act, right? Like if they were going to retreat, there was a certain standard that they would hold up. And you would talk about that and how the gospel is that for us. It's our rallying point, right? That's how we gather together. And it's the standard. It's telling us what we're supposed to be doing in the moment. Are we supposed to be charging forward? Are we supposed to be retreating? Are we supposed to be, you know, like, where are we in this battle? Um, You could also talk about how a standard is um, also another way of saying it's a way we measure things, right? Like a standard unit of measurement or whatever. so that's something that's talked about in the manual. So you could talk about that with the kids if that's on their um, understanding level. Um, and in the Individuals and Families Manual it says, If your family had a standard or a flag to represent your commitment to the gospel, what would it look like? This is really cool because you could talk about the title of liberty and... That was a rallying thing, you know, like it, it brought people together and it helped them know what they were fighting for. So if you think about that as a family, what would this flag of yours look like? So then it says it might be fun to make a family flag together and talk about how it can, how living the gospel helps you as we go forth into, as the Lord's army, right? And it can help us gather others to us as we hold up this standard and help others see the way that they're meant to be. Hopefully they see that we're winning the battle. Hopefully they see that the side that we're fighting for, the Lord's side, is the right side. And they'll see it through our lives and how we're living our lives and that we're happy and that we're we're blessed. In so many ways, and hopefully they'll see that that is the right way to live. And they'll feel, they'll feel it. You know, you hear of people who join the church, that they just feel that this is the right thing. They just know. And once they recognize the standard, they it's easy to follow for them. Um, another thing that the manual suggests is that you could have the kids memorize verse 9. Um, but that's totally up to you. I like the idea of making a flag that can be done in the family or it could even be done in the primary classroom if you would like, um, to apply that in a class setting. All right. The next section is I can stand in holy places. And this is one that I did with my kids and it was, it's a little rough because I had multiple kids involved. I'm sure you've heard that through the, the, the other one, but it's, um, it's fun to get together with my kids and to talk to these and it took a few different tries (laughs) to get some of this but it's good so we will listen to a little bit of that I'm here with my children Weston, Weston how old are you? 7 William, William how old are you?
1: (laughs) 5
0: he's got watermelon in his mouth Allison how old are you? Mm. that many? How old is that? Me how, many, me. how many fingers is that? <laughs> You're not going to tell me?
1: One, two,
0: three. Three. Elena, how old are you? Me. You're one, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daddy. one.
0: And I want to one. teach you guys a little bit about um, holy places. Do you know where ho- what holy places are? Do you know what the word holy means? Yes. yes. What does holy yes. mean?
1: It means... Holy God. Good. Uh, good. God. Okay. Yeah. It, it has... Or, to, yeah? Or God.
0: Has to do with God. God? Yeah. Can I tell you what the definition is?
1: What?
0: The definition of holy what? is a de- dedicated or consecrated, which means its purpose is for Heavenly Father. It's dedicated or consecrated to God for a religious purpose, or it's sacred. Mm. You know what that sacred is? Yes. Yeah, it's special, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So can you tell me a place that you know of that is a holy place? Uh, Heaven. Heaven is probably a holy place. Church. 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 Okay. temple. Yeah. Uh, uh, Guess what? There's one more place, but this place is only holy if we want it to be. Can you think of what it could be?
1: Home.
0: Our house. Good job, William. Yeah, our house can be a holy place. So there's a scripture that says, but my disciples shall stand in holy places. How can we stand in holy places? We
1: make it holy. Okay.
0: If you keep the place that worship in holy, right? Okay, that's part of it. And it says, and not be moved. How do you feel when you are in a holy place? Sometimes we, give that to me please. Happy. Happy. Weston, where where is it that you feel happy? Like at the temple? Uh, Happy. God. (laughs) Okay, you feel happy? Alright, Weston. What? Can you tell me a time when you have been, when you went to the temple grounds? Do you remember going and either driving by the temple or walking around the temple? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember how you felt while you were there? I'm
1: um, happy. You were happy? Happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. So
0: another place that we can go to fill or one another place that it can be holy is our house. How else how do you think we can make our house holy?
1: we Be nice and not, and we don't fight.
0: Yeah? And it helps out. Do you think Heavenly Father likes to let the Holy Ghost, or, yeah, the Holy Ghost is in places where we are fighting with each other? No. No. Is that part of it? Do you think that's part of a place feeling holy? Do you think the Holy Ghost needs to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Whenever I'm in a holy place, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can you also help me think about what it means to not be moved? In the scripture it says, um, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. What does that mean? To not be moved. I
1: don't know. I don't know. If you
0: were to stand and I was to push you, do you think you'd move?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah? How could you make it so that you can't move, even if people come and, like, try to push you over? Uh, Hold on tight. Or what else? Maybe, like, put uh, your feet firmly, right? Make sure your, your feet are firm. How can we do that with, the, with our spirit? How can our spirit feel firm in holy places?
1: We, we have to stay with him. We can't let Satan pull us away from him. Yeah. We have to stay near him. Yeah. What does Satan do? He tries to pull us away from what we're supposed to do.
0: Yeah. What are some examples? So does Satan do anything to try to pull you away? Have you ever felt like Satan was pulling you away? Yeah.
1: He makes us start start fights with our brothers and sisters steal stuff. Um, yeah,
0: sometimes if you really want that candy. Yeah. yeah. That will be safe. Yeah, Satan is like, no one's going to catch you. It's okay, huh? But then someone catches you. Well, is that well, what maybe. makes it wrong? What makes yeah. it wrong?
1: That, that because it's the wrong thing to do because it's Satan and he's trying to do it to you. Whatever Satan tries to do to you, it's wrong. Yeah. How do you know if it's Satan? You know if it's, you know it's Satan if it's something bad. Yeah. Do you um,
0: feel like it's, you you know good from bad pretty good, right? You're almost eight years old, and that is the age where you're able to to know good from bad, right? That's why you're about to get baptized. So you're getting really good at knowing good from bad. Yeah. Do your friends ever try to get you to do... Do you think your friends ever try to get you to do things that would maybe pull you away from standing firmly in a holy place? Sometimes our friends try to get us to disobey our palms. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes our friends might want us to, um, like, look yeah. at pictures that are bad. Huh. All right, so in the manual with the holy places, it says you could place pictures of a home, a church, a building, and a temple in different places throughout the room and give clues describing the places and have the kids go stand near the picture that they are describing, you're describing. And, um, so then you could talk about how are those places, holy places. If you need to, you could talk and explain what holy means, kind of like I did with my kids and, Um, and talk about how they feel when they are in those places. That's how you know they're holy, right? Because you feel close to heavenly father when you were there in the activity page. Um, in this lesson, there's, it's like a little frame, um, that you can cut out the, like the square in the middle. And then there's a paper that slides through it. And so, I mean, you don't cut the paper out all the way. You make the slits. Have you seen this before? We put slits on either side and then you slide the paper through and it kind of moves back and forth through the little window. And so on the different things that move through the window, there is a house, a temple, and a church. And so it says to have the kids draw themselves in each one of them and because it's just like the outline of it. And so they can draw themselves in it and then you can move it through that viewer window. And you could talk about how they stand in holy places. And um, it's a cute idea to do for an activity. An idea I had for Family Home Evening is that you could get a poster or paper or something. And you could either cut it in the shape of a house or draw like an outline of a house on it. And then have your family cut out pictures or draw pictures or write words of things you can do to make your house holy. I really like this idea because for me, I mean, it's important for me that my house is holy. But it's really hard to just single handedly be like, okay, everyone, we're gonna make. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna make this house holy. I'm like, I'm determined because as hard as I try to have a holy home, it's hard when the kids have contention and, um, you know, want to. Watch movies or play video games that sometimes drive, drive away the spirit. So if everyone's on the same page and you make plans together as a family of how you can make your home a holy place, it helps everyone get on the same page and you are more unified like we talked about last week. And it also helps with just everyone having that same goal in mind. So hopefully it actually can happen. Also in the May friend is another idea. It says that you can list things that help you stand in holy places. Um, This is really cute for younger kids because you could talk about... You may not be standing in a holy place right now, but like how can you make the place that you're in holy? And so things you could talk about are like being nice to someone because that helps bring the Holy Ghost, right? Praying, reading your scriptures... And these are all the same things that we can do to prepare for Christ's return on earth. And you can take the list and hang it up on a fridge or somewhere where your kids can see it. And help you guys remember of ways you can make your home a holy place. Right? Because hopefully those things could also be um, things that make your house holy. All right. It also says to talk about what it means to not be moved, like I did with Weston in that um clip, so think about what it means to so okay, I'm going to read the the scripture again, all right, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and not shall not be moved. How the children understand that to stand in holy places and not be moved means to choose the right at all times. No matter what is happening. And like I did with Weston, you can talk about peer pressure and scenarios of temptations of things that are trying to pull them away from being in a holy place. I think for me personally, it's really important to recognize what Satan is doing in my life to try to pull me away from that, right? It's not just he's pulling me away from the temple because I feel like, I mean... Little things can pull you away from feeling worthy to be in the temple, but I think it's even more subtle than that, that he is encouraging me to do things in my home that make my house less holy and make my life less holy. And it doesn't even have to be like sins. It could just be the busyness of life that distract us from doing what we need to be doing, like reading the scriptures. And going to the temple when we can. And when we are doing the things in our lives that we need to, to have a spirit, then our home and our life will be holy. But if we are distracted by all the sporting events and homework and all the things that we have going on in our lives, um, it's so easy to let our lives slip away from that that holiness. So... Hopefully it's not just for our children that we're doing this, but we're thinking about ourselves as well and how we can stand in holy places and not be moved. The next section is Jesus Christ Will Come Again. This is... This was a really good section, but it's also really, really intense. Um, So definitely go into this prepared so that you talk to your kids in the right spirit about the second coming, um, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through this. But I just hope that you are studying and praying about this stuff on your own and and learning, um, so that you're you have a testimony of what you're talking about. So it says, help the children think about how they feel. When they know that someone special is coming to visit them, like a grandparent or a friend, how that how do they prepare for the visit? So I know for me, when I know someone's coming to visit, I clean my house. <laughs> um, but the kids probably recognize that too, right? Um, if it's someone that's really special, they might change their clothes or have a bath. Um, they probably put their toys away. Maybe they make special food for them, right? So think about how you prepare for a special visit. And they you kids could talk about that. You could show a picture of the Savior. And read part or all of Doctrine and Covenants section 45 verses 44 through 45. And tell the children how you feel about the Savior coming again. And let them share their feelings. So I'm going to read... This because it's good, and I'm going to read it again. I'm just warning you now because it's so good. So this this is verses forty four for, verses forty four through forty five, and then they shall look for me, and behold, I will come, and they shall see me in the clouds of heaven, clothed with power and great glory, with all the holy angels. And he that watches not for me shall be cut off. But before the arm of the Lord shall fall, an angel shall sound his trump, and the saints that have slept shall come forth to meet me in the cloud. Isn't that beautiful? I just love the strength of the words in those verses. So, again, I'm going to read it again later. Just you wait. (laughs) So, something that's really good to do with the little kids, or even the older kids, is to sing a song. And I did this with William. So... I'm going to um sing When He Comes Again with William. I want to teach you a song that goes
1: like this. I wonder when he comes again. No. Will earth be, or will herald angels sing? Will earth be white with drifted snow, or will the
0: world no spring? Who is that song about? Jesus. Do you know he's going to come back to the earth? Yes. Do you ever don't play with that because I don't want to make weird noises, okay? Do you ever wonder when he's going to come to our when he's going to come to the earth again? No. You don't wonder that. No. You think it might be tomorrow, or in lots of days?
1: Six hundred and ninety-four.
0: Okay, don't put your mouth right next to the microphone, it's too loud, okay? Alright, can I tell you the next verse of this song?
1: No! I wonder when he comes again Will I be ready there To look upon his loving face And join with him in prayer each day I'll try to do His will, and let my light so shine, that others seeing me will ask, may seek for greater light depart Then when that blessed day is here, He'll love me and He'll say, You've served me well, my little child. Come into
0: my arms to stay. How can we get ready for Jesus to come again?
1: Uh-huh. How do you think? Wear church clothes.
0: Yeah, well, if we were getting ready to go meet with him, huh? But we don't know uh-huh. what day he's going to come. How do you think Jesus uh-huh. wants us to act while we're waiting ready. for him? Uh-huh. What does Jesus tell us? Nights. Nice. All right, William, can you describe this picture for people who can't see it on the podcast? What's happening in this
1: picture? There's so many angels and
0: Jesus. What's Jesus doing? Um, I don't know. Where is he standing? On a cloud? <gasps> Do you think he's... What's he doing in the clouds? Um... What are the angels holding? Do you see what the angels are holding? Trumpets? Yeah, why do you think they have trumpets? Uh, I don't know. know. Okay, I'm going to read a scripture. I want you to tell me if you think this picture looks like this scripture. It says, And then they shall look for me, and behold, I will come. And they shall see me in the clouds of heaven. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, in the clouds of heaven. So, yep. I know now. Okay, listen. Clothed with power and great glory with all the holy angels. Are there lots of holy angels? Yes. Do you think they
1: look excited to see this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All
0: right, just in case you didn't catch all that, I'm going to read the words. <laughs> I wonder when he comes again. Will herald angels sing? Will earth be white with drifted snow? Or will the world know spring? I wonder if one star will shine far b- brighter than the rest. Will daylight stay the whole night through? Will songbirds leave their nests? I'm sure he'll call his little ones together to gather, to gather round his knee because he said in days gone by, Suffer them to come to me. I wonder when he comes again. Will I be ready there to look upon his loving face and join with him in prayer? Each day I'll try to do his will and let my light so shine the other see me, me the other seeing me may seek for greater light divine. Then when that blessed day is here, he'll love me and he'll say You've served me well, my little child, come unto my arms to stay. <clears throat> Guys sometimes there's so much power in these primary songs and the gospel truths that they teach are so important and the kids remember music I had this conversation with my mom just the other day because she's the primary music leader in her award just newly called and we were talking about this and she said I'm a little bit nervous because let's be honest the kids don't always remember the lessons and they don't always even remember who all their primary teachers were but they do remember the songs and they remember singing time. She's like, and that's all on me. (laughs) But I was thinking about that and I don't do enough music with my kids and I feel some regret that I haven't done as much music with my kids during the pandemic as I should have because there is a lot of power in these primary songs. So in the individuals and families manual it suggests that we read verse thirty five. Says And I said unto them, Be not troubled, for when all these things shall come to pass ye may know that the promises which have been made unto you shall shall be fulfilled. Do you ever feel nervous sometimes thinking and talking about the second coming? We're going to read some of the signs, and they can be overwhelming. But I like this verse that it's there, you should also know that the promises, there's some beautiful promises, and they will also be fulfilled. Something else you could study is the parable of the ten virgins. There's videos and stuff on that, so that would be a fun, <clears throat> a fun video you could share with your family. In the older kids section, it says, ask the children how they know when a new season is near. What signs do they look for? Explain that just as there are signs of a new season, there are signs of the second coming. And I loved the idea of looking for signs. This is kind of a fun thing. And then in the Individuals and Families manual, it suggested that you could like bake something as a family. Like bake cookies or bake a cake and talk about signs that it's done um, or signs that it's ready to eat. And that's kind of a fun, fun activity you could do. For family night, make the family night treat together and talk about the signs of it being ready. Um, you could also do this with like homemade ice cream, signs that it's ready or a uh, caramel popcorn. I mean, I'm just thinking of like all kinds of treats where you have to watch it and you have to see and know that it's ready because of a certain thing that happens, right? So that's a really fun activity, and I might actually do that this coming Monday for my family evening lesson, because that sounds awesome. So section 45, verses 37 through 38, says, Look ye, and behold the fig trees, and ye see them with your eyes, and ye say, when they begin to shoot forth, and their leaves are yet tender, the summer is now nigh at hand. So here comes our season, right? Even so, it shall be in that day when they shall see all these things, then shall they know that the hour is nigh. So what did Jesus say that the signs would be like? He is comparing it to the change in the seasons. So we know that it's coming. It says, help the children discover the signs we should be looking for. You can assign each child or group of children to read a few of the verses from section 45 that describe the signs. So, there's a bunch of verses. Um, it says 26 through 27, 31 through 33, and then 40 through 42. And these, I listed the signs that I talked about in those verses. So, um, I'm going to read through them. If you do this with your kids, you can decide if you want to do this with your group, class, or if your family. Um, I think it's important to know the signs. Like they talked about, this is how we know that the Lord's coming. And we see the promises. Because as you see the signs being fulfilled, you also know that the promises will be fulfilled. Because they go hand in hand. And even though some of these are disturbing and it's sad, but this is the world we live in. And it even says, which of these signs are being fulfilled today? And I want you to think about that as I'm going through this list. And we know this list fairly well. (laughs) So it's wars and rumors of wars. The whole earth is in commotion. Men's hearts shall fail them. And they shall say that Christ delayeth his coming unto the end of the earth. Love shall wax cold. Iniquity shall abound. Scourge and sickness in the land. Disciples shall stand in holy places. Men shall curse God and die. I've always thought that was kind of a weird... Um, sign. And uh, for some reason this time reading this scripture, it hit me. They die spiritually because they deny God and curse God and that their spirit is, is dead. So it's an interesting thing. I don't know if I ever had put that together before. So I'm grateful that my epiphany can the Hopefully, at least entertain you, if not teach you something. There will be earthquakes, desolations. Men will harden their hearts. They will kill one another. Signs in the heavens and in the earth beneath. Blood, fire, and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be darkened. The moon turned to blood. Stars fall from heaven. It says on separate pieces of paper, you could write some of the promises regarding future events that you found in your study of section 45. So there's a lot of promises and those are in verses 44 through 45, 51 through 52, 55, 58 through 59, 66 through 71. And, and it says you could list on the board, some of the verses where the promises are found, or you can like write them on pieces of paper. Um, and then, okay, so sorry, the activity is to match the pieces of paper or like um, what you have either written down or printed out the phrases to the scripture that they correspond to. So, and again, it's another way to get the kids looking in their scriptures and doing a little bit of thinking about them. Right. Um, all right. So I'm going to go through the promises and these are actually like most of them are direct quotes from the scriptures because like I told you, it, it's so beautifully written the language is so powerful and I don't didn't want to, I didn't want to paraphrase. I really want to read the scriptures because the scriptures have power and I hope you use the scriptures as you're teaching your children because there is a lot of power to be had there. All right. So promises. And then they shall look for me and behold, I will come. I love that promise. He's going to come. And they shall see me in the clouds of heaven, clothed with power and great glory, with all the holy angels, and he that watches not for me shall be cut off. And then, of course, the resurrection it talks about. An angel shall sound forth his trump, and the saints that have slept shall come forth to meet me in the cloud. That's a promise that I'm happy and am very excited about. The Jews look upon me and say, What are these wounds in thy hands and thy feet? Then shall they know that I am the Lord, for I will say unto them, These wounds are the the wounds with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I am he who was lifted up. I am Jesus Christ that was crucified. I am the Son of God. So the Jews will know him, as well as everyone else. Because as we know, every every knee will bow. Everyone will confess that he is the Christ. Another promise is that Satan shall be bound, that he shall have no place in the hearts of the children of men. And the earth shall be given unto them for an inheritance. And they shall multiply and wax strong, and their children shall grow up without sin unto unto salvation. For the Lord shall be in their midst, and his glory shall be upon them, and he will be their king and their lawgiver. And it shall be called the New Jerusalem, a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the Most High God. And the glory of the Lord shall be there, and the terror of the Lord shall also be there, insomuch that the wicked will not come unto it, and it shall be called Zion. Does that sound like the best? (laughs) I love this. I love this idea of no sin and Satan not being there and the wicked won't come there, and it it's a land of peace and refuge and safety. It's just, it sounds, I want to go there. Can I, I want to be there so, so badly. And it shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. So it says, discuss what the promises mean. And invite the children to share which promises help them feel excited about the Savior's second coming. Can I tell you what makes me excited about second coming? This idea of peace and righteousness. Just when I think of it, I think of light and warmth and happiness. That's what I picture. Everything is so light. Probably because Christ will be there. In the Individuals and Families Manual, I suggest that you read First Nephi, verse uh, sorry First Nephi chapter twenty two, verse twenty six, and then also Revelation twenty one through three. Now I decided to read the First Nephi scripture to you because it's about helping you understand how Satan will be bound during the millennium. And I really liked what the first Nephi verse says, because of the righteousness of his people, Satan has no power. And I think about that and it says in here, how can we bind Satan in our lives now? And I think about that sometimes and I wonder what I could do to bind Satan. How can I make it impossible for him to affect me and be a part of my life? How can I keep him away from my children and out of my home? And the answer is that Satan will be bound because of the righteousness of the people. So as I am righteous and I teach my family to be righteous and we are living our lives in righteousness, Satan will have no power over us and he will be bound out of our lives. I am grateful for the Lord, for my Savior Jesus Christ. I look forward to Him coming and being with us. I am so grateful that He is my advocate and that I am able to turn to Him for help and that He will be the one to plead my case. I hope each one of you feels that hope and that strength that can come from him. I have a lot of hard days as a mom where I just sometimes feel overwhelmed and frustrated and discouraged. There are so many days that I get, I get so mad at myself for how I react I get so mad that I yelled, or I get so mad that, you know, I didn't handle a situation peacefully. And I am grateful that I have the opportunity to repent. And as I lean on my Savior and strive to be like Him, it gets a little easier. A little. (laughs) But it's getting there. I feel like And I think I shared this in the past, but I have really tried to imagine how Christ would act in certain situations in my home. And yes, that old, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Rings true. There's been several times I am on the verge of just losing it and just being so frustrated and so mad at a child over something that's happening. And then that thought will enter my mind. That's not what Jesus would do in this situation. He would love them. And when that thought comes, it's so powerful and it totally changes everything about the situation, at least on my end, (laughs) because even though my child might still be throwing a huge tantrum, doing something super naughty my reaction to it is completely different than my initial reaction when I want to yell and be so mad lose my temper and I have that thought I'm so grateful for that thought because instead of being mad I give them love If they allow me, I usually give them a hug, try to show them that I love them, despite whatever's going on. I show a little bit more patience. I show a little bit more mercy. And hopefully they are feeling that and they will know also that Jesus loves them. I feel it. But in those moments, because I know that he does. I hope you have a great week learning about Jesus and how we can prepare for the second coming. Have a great, fantastic, awesome last week of April. (laughs) Of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our
1: prophecies, that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins.